The Film Guide with Alex Mackay, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with brand new uh, host Alex Mackay. Hello, Alex. Hello, Danny. Thank you for having me. Mm, yeah, well, don't, don't make me regret this, Mackay. So, uh, so Alex, uh, Alex, in fact, has done this show in the past when it was somewhere else. Uh, he, he had covered it on occasion, so not really a stranger to this at all. But, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at Alex's uh, choice of uh, the best films to watch on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. We will also be um, we, we've got a we, we've been calling this internally Section Three at the moment. Each presenter of the podcast uh, of the film guy podcast has, has is given free reign in the third part of the show to do their own thing and we'll hear about what alex is going to do in that part a bit later we'll be looking at the new um, releases on the streaming services and this week we are talking about um, amazon prime netflix and disney plus but we start things off with uh, new releases and films that are on general release uh, in the cinema so alex uh, tell us about the first film that we're going to be talking about this time well the first one we're going to be talking about is one that chris and sam actually mentioned on last week's episode has been released last Friday uh, I've actually had a chance to see this and this is The Father uh, which is directed by Florian Zeller it's starring Sir Anthony Hopkins Olivia Coleman, and Mark Gattis it is uh, based on the play which is also by Florian Zeller uh, about a, a father who is slowly um, descending into dementia and um his his daughter played by Olivia Coleman is trying her best to make him comfortable and and get him help but he absolutely refuses and it's really it's done from a very interesting perspective because at times the film comes across from his perspective when he's confused so certain characters are played by different actors or are they or he you're definitely in his flat or are you? And it, you don't know. You're constantly on the back foot from his perspective. And it's also just incredibly performed. Uh, obviously, it being based off the play, it's you know, it's very much like a kitchen sink drama. It's just two or three people in a room at any given time. Yeah. So we should say that this was uh, this was put on by Ovo at the Malting Theatre in I believe it was in 2019. They put it on quite recently, uh, and it is the same. Um, it's the same source material. So that yes. and it's based on a French play by Florian Zeller, as you mentioned there. So 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 they they uh, performed the English translation. Uh, it, it it's uh, and has now been adapted into a into a film. Uh, Anthony Hopkins won the Oscar, I believe, and Olivia Coleman got nominated. Is that right? Uh, he did, and she did. Sir Anthony Hopkins won uh, for best, uh, I believe, best supporting actor. Uh, I may have to double check that one. He definitely won one of the acting categories. Um, A lot of people assumed that Chadwick Boseman was going to win for his performance. Yeah, it was for best actor. And yes, Chadwick Boseman was considered to be the favourite, but Anthony Hopkins. For Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which was a great performance. But having uh, having watched both movies, I have to say that I, I think the right decision was made. His performance in this is stunning at times, tender at other times, very, very uh, brutal and mean spirited and cruel. And towards the end, almost childlike in a way. I don't want to say too much about what happens, but it was very moving as well as Olivia Coleman's performance as well. They're, they're both very, very moving performances and it's well worth a watch. I, I'll fully admit it's not a happy-go-lucky film. There, there weren't many dry eyes in the cinema when, when I left the screening. But it is a fascinating uh, story. And, and it's very interesting the way that it was portrayed. Okay. Um, so I would be very curious to see how the, the play 
that does it. I don't know what the difference is. I'm I'm hoping to see a production of it soon. But okay, um, yeah. The um, so Anthony Hopkins just to confirm this. Yeah, he won he won Best Actor. Uh, he became the oldest winner at 83 years old, uh, and uh, it also won Best Adapted Screenplay for Florian Zeller and Christopher Hampton. Um, so it was nominated for um, another one, two, another four um, Oscars. But but yes, it, so it was nominated for six and it won two. Mm. And it also did very well in other um, in other awards, including the BAFTAs. Anthony Hopkins got a Best Actor BAFTA as well. So um, yeah, uh, that's the father, and that's out already, isn't it? That's yes. on general release already. Yes, if you get a chance to see it, please do. Okay, uh, talk about what else? Uh, there's two new releases you want to talk about, isn't yes. there? Yes, coming out today, uh, we have two uh, two films that had been already filmed and were ready to go before everything happened over the last year and a half, and now they're finally ready for release. The first is uh, something from Lin Manuel Miranda, who uh, oh um, the the guy does um, Hamilton. Yes, yes, this is the movie version of his uh, show In the Heights which was the musical he wrote before Hamilton it was actually what gave him his big break I believe he won he was like the youngest person at the time to win a Tony Award for it and this is directed by John M. Chu who uh, directed Crazy Rich Asians from a few years ago and this film uh, it, it's got people such as Anthony Ramos Jimmy Smith uh, Daphne Ruben Vega it is a, a big, bright, uh, brash musical uh, about a neighborhood in Manhattan called Washington Heights. And I was reading an interview he did with the Metro earlier this week talking about the movie and the play itself. And it's kind of like a love letter to where he's from, um, his family back in Puerto Rico. It's dedicated to the people that move from Puerto Rico to places like Manhattan to make a life for themselves. But it's also a love letter to the family you leave behind. And it's about sort of chasing your dreams and not giving up on them, whether it's something like you want to own and run your father's bar, whether it's there's somebody you see every day that you really, really want to ask out and just uh, being a tightly uh, bonded community and it's also about that the, there's hints that there's going to be gentrification they're going to have to be moved out of the area so it's it's a celebration of that time and that place and it looks uh, it, it looks like they've thrown everything including the kitchen sink in it it looks like great fun very uplifting if musical movies are your thing then I honestly reckon this will be this will be the film everyone talks about this year, much like when The Great Showman came out and you know, everybody talk, raved about that. I really get the feeling this is going to be that. It looks like a lot of fun. Okay. Um, I, was, I was intrigued there because you mentioned Jimmy Smith, who's an actor that I'm particularly a, a fan of um, uh, and not not aware that he's ever done a musical before. Um, so I don't this know might if he be actually, his first, I'm not sure. I don't know. if Does he do much singing in this? According to the trailer... No. Okay. <laughs> I, I, he's he's in a speaking role in the trailer. Yeah. He may well Pe- surprise People you. of a certain age would know him. If you don't recognise the name, you'd know him from um, LA Law that he starred in for a number of years, NYPD Blue that he starred in again for a number of years, uh, Emmy-winning actor, and, and then uh, more recently on the big screen, he was uh, Princess Leia's father. He in, was. In the Star Wars prequels. Baylor Organa, I don't know the name. Something like that. Something like that. He was also in the TV show Sons of Anarchy. He, he oh, is, and Dexter he was in yes. for a while. He, he's in a, he's been he's in a lot. He's Constantly work because he's a very reliable pair of hands, I think. Yeah. I know, well, a very good actor, I'd say. Yes. That. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's uh, In the Heights uh, is is the uh, musical that is uh, out this week. Uh, so that, that comes out on uh, Friday, um, the uh, 19th of... No, Friday the 18th of June, which could be today. It could be today, Danny. You, depending on when you're listening to this. But uh, yeah, that's... It's certainly the day that this podcast is released. Yes. And uh, that's also... So that's also the day 
that another film comes out, um, <laughs> which uh, I, I'd suggested to to a friend, saying, "Oh, should we go and see this?" And they they sort of said, "I'd oh, rather not." Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm um, absolutely shocked. Although by that. really, there's one person in it that that made me want to potentially see it. But anyway, you, I'll leave you to guess which of the cast members <laughs> that was. But the film is the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Yes, this is the sequel to the Hitman's Bodyguard, which came out a few years ago, which was a sort of buddy action movie starring Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson basically playing heightened versions of themselves and uh, this time around uh, Ryan Reynolds character who uh, used to be a licensed bodyguard in the first film he was hired to uh, protect one of the world's greatest assassins played by Samuel Jackson this time he's protecting Samuel Jackson's wife who is played by Salma Hayek hence the title and I mean if you like wacky action comedies if you like Ryan Reynolds movies that's basically exactly what you're going to get from the look of this film uh, what judging by the trailer judging by the last film is exactly what it's it looks like mm. and if if you're into that sort of thing then you're going to have a good time if if those kind of movies uh, are a hard sell for you then maybe go see in the heights instead I, i'm going to be controversial here not a big fan of Ryan Reynolds really um i think he's had way more misses than hits I think That's he's done, fair. I think the first Deadpool was brilliant. Yes. Not so sure about the second one. I think the second one's a little bit too knowing. Oh, I'm very glad that cause, so normally when people talk about Deadpool 2, I hear a lot of praise and this isn't because of, of anything to do with translation from source material. I thought that they they learned all the wrong lessons from the first movie with the meta humor and stuff, and that's very fair to say that we're, about Ryan Reynolds because if you see a Ryan Reynolds movie, whether that's like Van Wilder, Detective Pikachu, or the the one he's got coming out where he's playing like a, a character in a video game, they're all the same essentially. They're Ryan Reynolds comedy vehicles. Mm. I like him, but I could see if you don't. Well, maybe, you see, I don't think I'd go so far as to say I don't like him. I'm not, well, if they're not massive, your thing. I'm not a massive fan, and. Occasionally, I've really enjoyed his performances. More often than not, I haven't. I saw something called, oh my word, it was called something like Six Underground or something. It was an action movie which went straight to Netflix, possibly because of the... Um, uh, the, the Michael Bay film, by any chance. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. haven't seen that yet. No. Yes, it was called Six Underground, and it was kind of Fast and Furious light. Yeah. It was what would you get if Michael Bay did a Fast and Furious film, and it was just... Not I mean, the Fast good. and Furious films are, are catching up with Michael Bay the way they're going. But yeah, I think it's very much if you like big, silly, dumb action where you can turn your brain off and just look at the explosions and you you don't really think about it after you've seen it, then I, I'm going to assume, much like the first film, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard is going to be like, big, silly fun, don't take it too seriously. You know, it's, you're just there for a laugh. Well, one of the things I think is interesting with the way that IMDb sometimes uh, lists uh, who's in a movie is they sometimes leave out one of the biggest stars so looking at this it's got it says cast overview first build only and there must be a dozen 15 actors lifted mm. none of them Salma Hayek who's actually the really? title character and um, she's across the entire trailer she's yeah. in the one doing all the press she's on the poster she's the middle in the poster she, this she's, is, I mean, I she can't is the hitman's wife's bodyguard I mean um, it feels like Salma Hayek hasn't done that many films in the last few no, years but, so. but this is something that occasionally I've noticed that IMDB does that, so, so at the bit, the little summary at the top it says stars and it says Ryan Reynolds Samuel L. Jackson Salma Hayek when you look at the list of cast she's not on the first screen so the hitman's wife 
in the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard yeah. is not listed in IMDb until the 15th or 16th. I don't know. She's not on the, the list I can see. That's ridiculous. But interestingly, there are some names that stood out that, that, that I thought I should bring to the fore because uh, Gary Oldman's in it. Yes. Um, Antonio Banderas is in yes, it. Yes, that surprised me when I saw that well, in the trailer. I wonder if that's anything to do with Salma Hayek because they're good friends. They've done a lot of films together. Possibly. Um, so, uh, you know, they did uh, Desperado. They did Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Um, they've done other things as well where they've been together on the script. Spy Kids 3. Yeah. Well, um, Antonio Banderas is an actor who, who seems to... He takes on a lot of projects just for fun. Like, mm. you know, Puss in Boots, for example. Yeah. Also, Rebecca Front from the thick of it is in there as oh, well. Oh, I love Rebecca Front. So, uh, so anyway, that's The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which is the other film that is out this week in the cinema. Uh, when we return, we'll be looking at the, the uh, new releases on the streaming services. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time now to take a look at the streaming service new releases with uh, Film Guide host this week, Alex Mackay. Uh, Alex, we're starting with Amazon Prime. Yes, uh, the new film from Amazon Prime this week is called Our Friend. It stars Casey Affleck, Jason Segel and Dakota Johnson. Uh, it's basically sort of about, not a love triangle, but a friendship triangle um, between a married couple and um, their, their best friend, who's played by Jason Segel. Um, uh, basically, when uh, one of them uh, has to go to hospital and has some life-altering news, um, they basically struggle um, to keep things going the way they were doing. So Jason Segel's character, uh, the, the friend of theirs, um, basically drops what he whatever he was doing what he was planning on doing to help and support the pair of them and it's it's kind of about that journey um it looks it looks very very uh, charming and you know jason siegel like you were saying with ryan reynolds there are a few people that i know that they've said similar things about jason siegel but i think he's a very likable uh, uh likable guy and he doesn't appear to be playing that that character, uh, that archetype he, he normally plays. Never better than he than he was in The Muppets, if you ask me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic movie. Although he wasn't the most animated of the uh, the performers in that. But, but nonetheless, he was. that was, that was a watchable movie indeed. I like that film. But no, th- this looks very nice. Um, uh, yeah, that is on Amazon Prime as of today. Okay. Um, yeah, Jason Siegel, uh, Casey Affleck, uh, brother of Ben, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, our friend. So if you want a sort of room romance drama type movie it's more of a friendship than a romance film but yes all right uh, anyway, if, if you want that, then then our friend is for you. That's over on Amazon Prime. Uh, we move to Netflix, and and uh, I don't know if there's any connection between this and a film you mentioned in the first part, but but uh, it seems <laughs> Fathers. Um, and is this anything to do with perhaps Father's Day coming up soon? Who knows? But, that might be why that's getting released this yeah, weekend. But anyway, there is a film on Netflix called Fatherhood. Then this isn't connected to Brotherhood or um, kid adulthood, kid adulthood, adulthood. adulthood. No, no. The, the next in the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, that would. Because the actor there is slightly out of uh, character. I don't think he's yeah. getting any commissions from Netflix or anywhere else. No, no, no. His uh, his phone's not been ringing much, I would imagine. 
imagine no recently anyway we won't say any more about that but let's talk about fatherhood which is not connected to any of those films no so this is a film uh, starring kevin hart and mm-hmm. as the name implies it is about him raising his daughter as a single father he uh it's kind of implied that the mother dies, if not during childbirth, very, very early on in the child's life. And it's essentially a film about him struggling to be everything he needs to be as a father and a mother, as the provider, as the breadwinner, as the nurturer. Okay. Is this a little bit of a stretch for him? Because this doesn't seem like his normal fodder. Normally, he's just, you know, he's making jokes about how he's the small guy. Well, he's ventured out a little bit while still playing the the um, the Kevin Hart, fast-talking, witty banter type. Uh, there was a film he did a few years ago with Brian Cranston, I believe it was called The Upside, where he was basically a, a living carer. Oh, yes, I do remember that now. So he does occasionally branch out into something else, uh, but he still sort of retains the typical Kevin Hart persona to a degree but it does feel like this one's a bit turned down if they ever make a movie of his life do you know who i want to see playing him you really just saying are you just saying because of the height i i feel that you have a lot of his essence as in lack of height thank you for that no no i think that you know that kevin hart there's a lot packed into a a small package and you know oh you saved that okay i like that you had to backtrack in case i ran out you've done a bit of acting before you know i've done a little bit nowhere near the level of kevin hart well you know if you don't seen some of his work anyway it doesn't matter (laughs) but um but yes uh anyway uh, fatherhood is out on uh, netflix Uh, if you would like to see this film i would advise don't watch the trailer because you basically see the whole thing in two minutes do you know i i there used to be, a, when I was a kid, I used to get really excited by the traders, sometimes more excited than watching the movie. And when you used to go and rent a videotape from a video um, hire store, these, these are concepts that are probably alien to you, but, but these I'm things existed. I'm aware of a blockbuster. In, yeah. Um, and, and they would pack trailers onto the beginning, even on DVDs. The, the, yeah, the, a rental DVD was different from a, a, a retail one, mm. and there would be trailers packed on. It would be exciting to watch them. But as time goes on, you realise now that these trailers basically show you the best bits of the movie and give away so much they of either it. show you the, the whole plot sometimes twists sometimes yeah. the best jokes and have you ever noticed in, in action films like you see a trailer for a Bond movie you're sitting there in your head going now where's this bit from the trailer going to happen and it kind of takes away the the experience for me so yeah. I try not to watch too many trailers if there's something I know I want to see that's it I'll go see it I'll wait yeah. On occasions, if I'm, you know, do you ever get that thing where you try, you think, oh, I want to watch a film tonight, and then after thirty minutes of trying to decide, you give up and watch another <laughs> episode of Gilmore Girls or whatever it might be. Um, and um, I don't that's a Gilmore. funny way of yeah. saying Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, um, I, I sometimes then think, do you know what? If I'm if I'm between three movies, it'd be good to line up the trailers for each one, and and then see which one I want to watch. Um, if it's like an old, because oftentimes it's an older movie, you think, oh, I wouldn't mind watching that, mm. but. I feel that yeah. trailers really should stay in the hands of the same editing team because they all know what to show and what not to show. Because usually you hand it over to the distributors and they and they think we need to pack it everybody in. Yeah, and they overshow. Yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. yeah maybe maybe the director, the, the the actual production team who make the movie should make the trailer, um, and and then maybe it would be something different. But anyway, Fatherhood is the film that, uh, and it sounds like you're giving that a bit of a warm endorsement. Um, based you, on what you know of it if you like Kevin Hart movies uh, if I mean it's it's not a brand new story or concept by any stretch of the imagination but I do definitely have some empathy with it as a you know not not to go too much into my backstory here but you know I, I grew up the son of a single parent so I empathise and it looks like it'll be sort of a, a, a feel good film about family 
Okay, so that's uh, that's fatherhood that is out from today. Uh, today being uh, the eighteenth of June, so it's out from the eighteenth of June is what I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, I missed doing stuff live. It was easier. Um, but anyway, yes, it's out from the eighteenth of June on Netflix. Uh, that's fatherhood. Now we move to Disney Plus and Luca. Yes, of the three, based on the Suzanne Vega song from the mid eighties. Probably not. Okay. I don't know if he lives on the second floor because he's actually a creature from the sea. Right. I don't know if they have floors. But this, of the three uh, releases coming to streaming service, I would say this is the big one. This is brand new to Disney+. This is the latest Pixar film. Oh, so it's animated. Yes, uh, and it's, it's following off from Soul, which came out over the holiday period. Um, unlike... Uh, a lot of what Disney have been doing with their uh, their their new releases. This isn't video on demand. This is no additional charge, and this is all about uh, a child that sort of lives underwater off the Italian um, coast, and um, the creatures are, have the ability when they go on land to change themselves into giving the appearance of being human beings, and they befriend some of the children on the island and it's sort of a, a coming of age tale about him trying to fit in both as a child and as you know i guess a, a 21st century little mermaid with with a gender swap maybe i don't know i haven't seen it yet but this does look like it's going to be very very charming i i always love pixar their last few films have absolutely knocked it out the park as far as i'm concerned you know stuff, stuff like coco and soul i mentioned a minute ago cast wise you have jacob uh, tremblay playing um the the main character luca you also have people like maya rudolph and, and jim gaffigan so very very funny talented people lending their voices and sasha baron cohen and sasha baron cohen where he fits into that that's up to you but yeah he's in there he's been well. in a lot of movies lately. and apparently gina de, gina de campo yeah why not? <laughs> I get the feeling he's, you know, there's... Is he a regional cast? I get the feeling. I was just about to say, there's always a regional cast. Like, Jonathan Ross is in Shrek for some reason, but it's Larry King in America. I feel like this is that. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, yeah, sometimes in, in these um, animated films, they, they will, in different regions, have different local stars doing a voice. So, yeah, jo- Jonathan Ross, who wouldn't have a profile in America. Um, so, so, yeah, Larry King does the American ver- one. But in, in the UK, uh, it was Jonathan Ross. And, and yeah, Gina DeCampo, who is this morning's um, resident Well-known for his acting prowess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is set in Italy. So he, yes. he's, and his, his Italian accent's getting better. It, it sounds a bit more convincing now than it used to. Um, but anyway. It's almost as good as mine. Yeah. No, which I, I will spare you from. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure it is, actually. I, anyway. <laughs> but, no, that is yeah. going... Uh, that that's out on Disney Plus as of today, and okay. I'm well very again. Eighteenth of eighteenth, uh, as of, of the release of this podcast. Yeah, d- d- yes. And if you're not listening to this the day it comes out, then that's going to really throw you once again. That's the eighteenth of June. Right. When we're back, we move into part three, and I don't know what part three really is, but Alex will set that up for us in a moment. The Film Guide with Alex Mackay, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. We're back with uh, the St. Owens Film Guide with Alex Mackay. And uh, in this part, uh, this is sort of a d- d- dealer's choice, if you want. You know, the, the, the hosts each week uh, have been given an opportunity to, to kind of do whatever they want in this part. And Alex, uh, what are you doing? So I've been listening to the last two episodes and obviously... Have you... Yes, I have. Yeah, all fair. We've had some discussions about that. I've listened to most of it. No. So uh, Howard's choices, obviously, are are films that he feels are too good to be forgotten. And uh, Chris has decided that he wants to talk more about some foreign language films and expand his palette as well. I thought maybe with myself, each month I could bring in one or two movies to discuss under which have different topics or themes each month. It could be something to... 
So what is your theme for this month? Well, as June is Pride Month, I thought I'd pick out a few uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, cinema choices and discuss them. Okay. Uh, Where are we going first? So first we are going with A Fantastic Woman, which is a a Spanish language film. It came out in 2017. I believe it won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film that year. It was the Chilean entry. Um, This is uh, about a, a trans woman by the name of Marina and it starts um, on her birthday she's a waitress that moonlights as a singer and you see her on a date with her partner uh, who is played by Francisco Reyes and um, they, they have and you can tell it, this isn't like a little a fling they, they've obviously have known each other for a long time and they are very deeply in love and that they they sort of spend the night having a lovely time and then unfortunately um, her partner whose name is Orlando um, he becomes ill in the night and unfortunately when he gets to the hospital he is pronounced dead and what the film does from there is it's partly about um, Marina trying to pick up the pieces of her life and move on but it's also uh, her partner's family basically ostracize her don't want anything to do her, don't want her to be at the funeral don't want her to take any arrangements she's living at his apartment they want her out they want her to return his um, the, the dog that they had Um because she's a trans woman and and there's a lot of talk about they don't understand her why why she's the way she is there's a lot of talk about being normal and she isn't uh, um there's there's a bit in the hospital at the beginning where uh, a police officer is called by the by the doctor and the the moment that the person looks at their identification and says, oh, you were born a man. So for the rest of that scene refers to Marina as a man and uh, uses her former name. And a lot of the film, you kind of see essentially the, the, a lot of the day-to-day hostilities that the trans people will, will face. Um, there's a lot of anger and misguided, uh, misplaced anger and abuse, verbal abuse, um, threats, um, and just general lack of understanding. And there is this sort of wonderful, not defiance, but Marina throughout the, the film stands her ground and makes no apologies for who she is. As she keeps saying, my name is Marina. And as the, the film implies, she, she is a woman. She's a, a fantastic woman who has dreams and ambitions. And it's it's this unspoken thing. They don't do the cliche of I'm a person, I'm a human being. But she clearly is that deserves to be treated like any other woman. And one of the reasons I wanted to, to mention this, not to get on too much of a soapbox, I'm aware I might, but um, we're living in a time here, particularly in the UK, where... In order for trans people to be legally declared trans people, they have to be signed off by a doctor like several months after the surgery, almost as if it's treated like a mental disorder. Um, there's a lot of um, misinformation and um, there's a lot of mistreatment of the trans community, in my opinion. And so I feel it's sort of important uh, to watch this film to sort of have a basic understanding of this is the kind of things that the trans people see on a daily, day-to-day basis. But it's also just about dealing with loss and the initial spiral and just coming out the other side of it. It's a wonderful performance by Daniela Vega, who is a trans woman in real life and also a very, very talented singer, as you see either end of the film. It's, yeah, it, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful film that is very, very worth watching. Not necessarily a happy-go-lucky movie, but uh, I think it's a very worthwhile watch. 
Okay, that's uh, the film uh, there, um, A Wonderful Woman, which did win a fantastic Sorry, woman. a fantastic woman. Uh, and it did win uh, the Oscar for uh, Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars there. Uh, so it's a Spanish uh, language film there, A Fantastic Woman from 2017. Um, your other choice for this section, um, also from 2017, also a foreign language film. Yes. Uh, Th- that, this one French? This one is French. It wasn't intentional to go with foreign language. It's just these are the or first Or 2017? Yes, 2017. Um, yeah, the- to say was it intentional to go 2017 no no these were just the first two films that came to mind because i think they're both great for different reasons uh this is called 120 bpm beats per minute which i believe is the i think it's the resting heart rate i might have that wrong um this is basically a film about uh a a group of activists in the early 90s in france um they they all are infected with hiv or know people that are infected with hiv and they're basically campaigning feeling that there's there's not enough being done by uh, the government, uh, by the pharmaceutical companies. There's not enough information. There's not enough protection uh, in place. And it starts, um, the film starts basically from the perspective of the entire group. And you see them doing various uh, protests at the beginning. And then it quickly morphs into becoming um, a, mainly about the relationship between um, a founding member of the group uh, called Sean and then Nathan, who is a newcomer. And they... they they start to fall for each other and that they start to form a relationship and um you know you know that things change in their lives one of one of them sort of undergoes some some health issues so again it, it, it kind of is quite open and transparent about the brutal reality of what it was like dealing with hiv and aids when there wasn't enough um there just wasn't enough support at the time um but it's also a celebration of who these people are and the fact that these are human beings just regardless and i don't mean to sound like i'm grandstanding or toughling i do apologize if i if i come across like that but it's as well as being heartbreaking in places both of these movies it's also a celebration of wonderful you know colorful different just all these different people from all these walks of life and they also actually kind of use similar uh things to to show that it's a lot to do with music and the use of lighting when they do that is almost as if to show music as a euphoria that everybody can forget about their troubles in sort of their motifs in both of these movies um but again a very very fascinating film um yeah very very great movies both of them Okay. Um, it, it apparently uh, had a degree of controversy surrounding it not winning the Palme d'Or um, that year. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, some of the judges uh, that year, including Pedro Amaldovar, quite a famous Spanish um, director, openly questioned the decision to uh, over this contentious gay-themed film. Why, you know, why this film was didn't receive it, but another film did. Which is ironically more or less the plot of the film. Why? Why isn't this cause getting more spotlight? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, that that uh, if if your um, resting heart rate is 120 beats per minute, phone an ambulance. Okay. So it's to do with music and tempo. Okay. Thank uh, you. Yeah. You probably. Um, that, so if you've just been out for a run and your 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 heartbeat <laughs> is 120 beats per minute, um, no. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so. Well, as I said, music is a motif, so that's yeah, where it's from. Yeah. Yes. I think it's more to do with like dance music and stuff, which should have an average beat of around about 120 beats. And this per is minute. why you should never come to me for well, medical advice. Also, in the military, uh, armies march 
march at a pace of 120 beats per minute oh i didn't know that yeah anyway there you go um so those are um your two film choices to do with uh, it being pride month this month that's uh, 120 bpm and a fantastic woman when we return we'll be looking at alex's choice of films on free to air tv for the forthcoming week Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Time now to take a look at Alex's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. Uh, this uh, covers from uh, Friday the 18th of June through to Thursday the 24th of June. That'll do. Uh, and uh, Alex, where are we starting uh, on uh, Friday? So uh, this is a bit of a late one. Uh, this is on at quarter to midnight on London Live, uh, which is Channel 8 if you've, if you've never been to that channel. This is a bit of a classic. This is Capricorn 1. This came out uh, a long time ago. It stars O.J. Simpson, James Brolin, and Elliot Gould. It is um, essentially, a, I guess, a conspiracy film of a sort. Um, there is a mission to Mars that is, is about to go underway, but the astronauts themselves discover that there's going to be a mechanical issue, and it's probably going to result in uh, a, in, a, in fatalities. And uh, NASA basically decides, okay, so we're going to go ahead with the mission, but not with you, and we're going to... Uh, we're going to quietly terminate you, and they become. Yeah, well, so 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 without trying to give away too much, which you've probably already just done there. Um, yeah, they they, they they fake the mission yep. and they do it with the blessing of the astronauts. And the astronauts get to live live in luxury for the nine months or so of the mission. Uh, do a little bit of fake kind of like Mars landing stuff in a studio, um, and and then go back to their luxury for for several more months, and everything's going well. Um, but the conspiracy gets rumbled and suddenly they are surplus to requirements. Yes, it's uh, it's been a, a few years since I've seen it, so apologies if I get this wrong. But don't, don't, don't give any more detail than that, Alex. If you're about to give detail, give opinion, not detail. I was just going to say, when Elliot Gould's it. character comes into the movie, that's when everything... Uh, okay, but anyway, um, it's a great conspiracy it, thriller, and and also really played into some of the the, the the paranoia at the time about the moon landings, yes, which some people believe were faked as well, yes, and, and fake, and were done in a similar way, and so um, this plays upon that, and and this really was one of the finest films of this sort of genre because in the 70s there were a lot of conspiracy films very much were and there were some fine fine films and this was one of the best um, yeah. and of course uh, younger listeners uh, I believe there are two of those so hello um uh, they may know the name Brolin, may not know the name James Brolin, and he is the father of Josh Brolin. Yeah, he is and a um, fine actor in his own and right. And the husband of uh, Barbara Streisand. Yes. So uh, that's him James Brolin, Elliot Gould and OJ Simpson who 
a little bit of um, sort of a shady well remembered for his film career at this point shall we say um, yes <clears throat> yes so former sports star um, OJ Simpson who had a minor movie career including in this film let's not dwell too much about, upon uh, what else OJ Simpson was yeah I'm not for. endorsing this film because OJ Simpson's in it <laughs> I feel I should apologise that OJ Simpson's mm, in it but yeah. it is a great film I mean it's fair to say he's not really the best advert for gloves but anyway, that's, um, that's Capricorn One, which uh, is on uh, London Live, 11.45pm on Friday the 18th of June. Let's move on to Saturday the 19th of June, 7.45pm on ITV. It's Wonder Woman. Yes, this is the first Wonder Woman, uh, one of the few DC Warner Brothers movies um, in the wake of uh, the, the Avengers franchise that I feel is a very good film. Yes, yeah, so so like uh, those who are into the superhero movies, by and large, seem to love the Marvel ones, yes, and hate upon the DC ones, with the exception of Aquaman and this one. Well, yes, uh, I think that's because um, the franchise doesn't seem to really know what it wants to be from movie to movie, and a lot of them are very dour and too somber. Whereas the Marvel ones are very lighthearted. And yes, you could make the argument they're all kind of the same movie, but they're fun. But but can you can you see as somebody who is a fan of those sorts of movies, can you see why this one's liked? Over some of the other ones, what, what what are the qualities in this one? Why should why should a listener watch this one? I feel that it's, well, this one's a lot more earnest. Do you remember the the original Superman movies with Christopher Reeve? Yeah, the beginning, uh, the first half of the film, I'd say, is very reminiscent of that, where um, Diana uh, of Themyscira uh, comes to the world of man, uh, played by Gal Gadot. Um, it, it's set during the First World War, and um, they're trying to keep it under wraps that she is, you know, this warrior princess from a different uh, from a, a different world. Mm. And it plays a lot like um, Christopher Reeve's Superman, including uh, uh, an infamous alley scene with a mugging. And I think it's quite charming uh, the way she plays off with um, the uh, the actor Chris Pine as the character Steve Trevor, who crash lands on the island, which is what kicks off the entire plot. And and also, I, I think it's just it, I think it's refreshing to see a superhero film. And I said this as a fan of these characters. There isn't another Spider-Man, isn't another Batman, isn't another Iron Man. It, it is a different character. It's a character that is well-known. Obviously, um, uh, older listeners may remember the Linda Carter um, mm. show. It's a well-loved character. And the film is its just very kind-hearted, which is something you don't get in a lot of superhero movies. Because a lot of them, it's just giant blue laser in the sky. Someone's trying to take over the world. Whereas this is kind of... Wonder Woman. I get a bit to... bored of skyscrapers having yeah. supervillains thrown into them, and then superheroes getting smashed into skyscrapers. Whereas and... this is sort of based on uh, real events, where um, she she's the. Go- <laughs> I no, hang on, of... hang on. It's not really. Let at me all. explain. Yeah. Let me explain. Uh, so um, it's not the, a documentary. Alex. The idea is that it's kind of based off sort of Greek mythology, where. Um, she is the daughter of Zeus and Themyscira, and her brother is the god of war, Ares. And she believes one of the key figures of World War One is her brother, the god of war in disguise. So the reason World War One has happened is because she believes it's her brother trying to descend yeah. the entire world. Which, into by chaos. the way, none of that. The only bit in all of that that's true is that there was a thing called World War One. Yeah. That was the only. Bit so it's that's using true, real life occurrences to tell a different story. Uh, uh, is, no, but it's not. That's a massive. That's a massive stretch on how to describe that. Well, it's different from Crashy Smashy Skyscraper. It sounds, it's more character-centred. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And it's about a little band of brothers in World I'm worried now what else you believe. I'll have to talk to you off air about this. But uh, anyway... Um. No, you open a history book and clearly there wasn't a woman with a sword from a, a mythical Greek island. But what I'm saying is it's different from the usual try-to-take-over-the-world supervillain film. And it has a lot more heart. And it's 
It's okay. fun. Yeah. Like, there's a moment she discovers ice cream, and she says to the person, like, you should be very proud of this. Like, it, he invented it. Yeah. It's great. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it has it has a nice, gentle sense of humor. Yes. Um, it, Gal Gadot is a great, um, great performer. She, she yeah. really... Um, she, you know, she, she's the perfect choice for well, the role. As Christopher Reeve was, I think that's a really good analogy you've made, or a good comparison, I should say. That he, um, you know, he he performed the, the part of Superman with with a degree of earnestness yeah. that that Gal Gadot also brings to brings to this. Chris Pine was very good. Um, uh, I I kind of thought it was a bit of a misstep to make to add a bit of a romantic thing to the story and and i cannot help but wonder if that was added afterwards and there's some be. reshoots because it, well in the in the original comic book steve trevor you know in comic books because people feel that you can only connect with a character if they're in love with somebody that was wonder woman's version of like lois lane or mary jane or mm. you know whoever's whoever batman's latest fling is that kind of thing yeah that is her her big love yeah so it kind of was going to get crowbarred in no matter what, but okay. it did feel forced. I, I was also interested to see why they changed the setting because po- the the origin story of Wonder Woman popularly was was um, during the Second World War, and for um, for whatever reason they changed this to the First World War. There have been many different origins in the source material. I think they just chose to go their own way with it. Okay, uh, maybe something a bit more palatable to people who like comic book movies but don't really have an interest in reading eighty years worth of comic books. Because it's very confusing if you try and consider it all as one chronological thing. Okay, yeah, I just still was slightly perplexed as to why they changed the setting. Because even the Linda Carter one was set, the the original pilot bit of it yes. was set during World War II. It might just be because there are so many things set in World War II. It was, you know, it, it's still a familiar kind of trope, but it's slightly different from what okay. you normally get. Anyway. Wonder Woman, 7.45pm, ITV, Saturday the 19th of June. Uh, now, nothing for Sunday, but we move on to Monday, the 21st of June, 9pm uh, on Great Movies, which is a channel apparently on Channel 33. It's Drive. I love this movie so much. I Everything about it, every single shot, the way it's paced, the music, the, the glorious soundtrack... Uh, and the music from Cliff Martinez, who used to be in uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is starring Ryan Gosling, Carrie Mulligan, Brian Cranston. Um, Ryan Gosling essentially plays a character almost, almost mute-like, who, who's like a stuntman, but he also moonlights as a getaway driver for criminals, and he he falls in love with someone uh, who is sort of married to a criminal, and he's, he's trying to protect her, and th- th- he's trying to go on the run, and it is... It is unlike any other thing in that kind of genre. And it, if you think of gangster movies or criminal movies, you tend to think of general archetypes. And this this doesn't fit into any of those molds. It's very vivid. It's it's very striking. It's very luscious. And uh, yeah, it's it's so striking. I've probably said that word too many times, but I can't think of any other way to describe it. It's wonderful, and I'm really looking forward to rewatching it. Okay, that's Drive. A, a- Great movie indeed. So it seems to fit on that channel. Great movies, 9pm on Monday the 21st of June. Let's move to Tuesday the 22nd of June. And we've already mentioned this uh, this film once on the Film Guide this week. And we've it's the second appearance of Ryan Reynolds. It's Deadpool, 9pm, Film 4. Yes, this is the good one, as we were discussing. So uh, this is the spin-off from the X-Men film franchise, which sort of exists. It took forever to make. It went into production issues for decades, and it only got rescued because Ryan Reynolds basically took it upon himself to campaign to get it released. And when it finally happened, um, it 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 sort of knowingly um, 
was was very sort of meta and turned it in on itself. The the basic story is uh, you have a mercenary called Wade Wilson who um, it turns out is dying of cancer and it's inoperable, and he takes a chance on getting. Um, some experimental therapy. It turns out that this is connected to the experimental therapy that happened with Wolverine in the X-Men movies, the same kind of weird healing factor. And uh, basically it mutates him to a point where he feels that he can't go back to the life he had, so he's just going to continue being a mercenary. And he's going to have a bit of fun with it. And he... Um, he breaks the fourth wall continuously. Yeah, it's not a film to be taken seriously, is it? Because no. um, it tells but, you right up front, don't. But, but that's not in any way a criticism. That is one of no. its strengths. Absolutely, um, that's because, what because makes Deadpool Deadpool. It it kind of doesn't doesn't fit into any of the other franchises. It references the X Men franchise quite a lot. Yes, mentions Wolverine, but also mentions um, uh, Hugh Jackman quite yeah. a lot, um, and, and and mentions Patrick Stewart. And yep. you know, it it's yes, it's we. I mean, it doesn't just break the. Fourth wall it demolishes it constantly which is very in keeping with the original character of dead yeah that, that, that's why i was so happy this film finally got and, made and also confusingly ryan reynolds has actually played this character before he yes. was in an x-men uh movie the, the one of the, uh, the origin x-men films. origins wolverine but, the best way to describe the continuity of the x-men movies is there isn't well, i was gonna say it's <laughs> it's arguable whether he was playing the same character even though he was playing the it's same supposed character. to be and I think, although well, they kind of answer that at the end of the second movie, um, yeah. but it's uh, the way to describe the X Men continuity. Uh, to, to paraphrase Doctor Who, wibbly wobbly, timely wimey. There was different directors. Nobody really had a game plan. There's, a, each there's film, a great line in. And don't um, think about it too much. There's a great line in uh, the second Austin Powers film where. Oh it's no! I've about, gone cross-eyed. It, well, <laughs> no. So it's where he goes back. Um, he's about to go back in time to solve something. And he says to his boss, he said, you know, which was uh, Michael York, and he says something about, yes. but if I go back, will I not bump into myself? And if I do that, will I not? And goes, oh, no, I've got cross And he said, he said, and Michael York, will you stop trying to guess what the line is? Because that's not the line. It was Michael York saying to him, um, he, he said, I wouldn't worry about that too much, Austin. And then he turns to the camera and he goes, and neither should you. And that joke is essentially the whole of Deadpool. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. But it's great. And it's one of its strengths. And as you said about the X-Men, it does constantly reference the X-Men. But there's there's a point where Deadpool says, well, where are they? And he looks directly to the camera and goes, it's almost as if the studio can't afford anybody. Yeah. And in this film, that was fresh. I think yes. by Deadpool 2, two little tired. My personal and you opinion. had other Ryan Reynolds movies that tried to be Deadpool as well at that point. Yeah, um, and but this is great. And this in this, he's fun. funny as, yes. as the wisecracking um, Merc with a mouth or whatever that he's called. No, Merc with a mouth, you got yeah. it. But but I think in other films he can be annoying when it's like that. I think it's it, it's which clearly is down to the writing in this it's, movie. It's the whole point of the character is he is very annoying and he just won't go away. Yeah, but in this he's funny. It's yes. charming that the audience go with him. I, I think in other films I've seen he's not. No. Just but this one works. This, this one absolutely yeah, works. Absolutely, uh, and yeah, Morena Baccarin's in there as well, who um, is is an actress that I've I've always appreciated her work. Mm. So anyway, that's Deadpool, and that is on uh, Tuesday the twenty second of June, nine pm on Film Four. Let's go to Wednesday the twenty third, and I think this is your film of the week. I think you have you have peaked with this movie, absolutely. Which is one that the chances are the listener may not have heard of. Yeah, it kind of flew nine pm Film Four. It is. Bad Times at the El Royale. This is the film that Quentin Tarantino wishes he could make. It's very Tarantino-esque. Uh, yeah, it, but better. Yes. Um, it, it does. It is, the, the way it tells the story is kind of similar to what you would have with Pulp Fiction, which brilliantly led to Mark Camo describing it once as Bad Times at the El Royale with cheese, which I love that description. But yeah, this isn't just my, my pick of the week for 
the, this week's movies on TV. If you watch one movie that we've discussed in this entire show, make it this one. I love this film so much. Um, not to give too much of the plot away, but you, you we um, meet a, a woman called Darlene who is on her way to Reno, Nevada to do a concert. She stops off at a hotel, which looks like it's seen better days, and she, she goes to book a room. When she's trying to book a room, you you have John Hamm turning up as this very, very... Don't say too much about it. No, I'm not it. going to. I'm only going to talk about... The, the I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you the sentence here that it has to describe the movie yeah. and then if you feel you want to add to it add to it but, yeah. but more talk about what you thought of it and what you thought of the performances okay yeah. so uh, it says it early 70s which is weird because you said 1969 so um, that's very early 70s but but anyway <laughs> IMDB have said early 70s four strangers check in at yep. the El Royale Hotel the hotel is deserted staffed by a single desk clerk some of the new guests reasons for being there are less than innocent and some are not who they appear to be. Yeah, I think that sums it up nicely. I don't want to say any more. What I will say, you were mentioning about performances. Yeah, t- uh, tell us about some of the people in it because uh, it's got a great cast. Jeff Bridges, amazing performance from him. John Hamm, great performance from him. Dakota Johnson, great performance from her. I forget the name of the person who is the night manager, but his performance is fantastic. Yeah. And I have to talk about the main character, Darlene. Cynthia Elvira is the name of the actor. This is the first thing I'd seen her in. And she is stunning. There are two scenes. She's that- an English actor as well. Yes. There are two scenes which focus on a scene. You see her rehearse in her hotel room a couple of times, and it's just so striking. And there is a scene towards the end where um, she, I don't want to give anything away, but her performance throughout is just stunning. Her scene with Jeff Bridges as well. Wonderful, wonderful movie. As you, as you, alluded to not everything is as it seems, not everything is done in a linear fashion. You'll mm. see things from different vantage points. Yeah. A fantastic movie, and if you do like Tarantino and you and you haven't seen this, go out of your way to. to watch I think this. it does this film a, disju- a, a disservice and injustice to say that it is it is a like a Tarantino film because in many ways I think it is better. I think it I does agree. it does what Pulp Fiction does. It, 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 it Pulp Fiction had a non-linear approach mm. to the timeline uh, of the story it was telling. This this has that same approach. Yeah. But that's kind of where it ends. Yeah. But it's visually striking, incredibly stylish. Yes. Um, also, All the visuals, the uh, colours. Yes. Yeah. Uh, other other great performances as well. Chris Hemsworth's in yes. there. Um, Nick Offerman, who people might know of from, uh, was it Parks and Recreation? Parks and Recreation. Uh, he's he was in Ron there. Swanson. Um, Shea Wiggum, who is uh, a character actor who appears on TV an awful lot. And uh, people might know yes. his work, if not know his name. Mm. Um, but uh, anyway, it, it's got a great cast, a yeah. wonderful story. Uh, it. I, yeah, I say it again. This is the film that Tarantino wishes he could yeah. make. You know, Tarantino's done some good films. Yeah. He gets by on an awful lot. For, yes, on reputation. Yeah. Uh, but, just to give you an idea of how much I love this movie, it went. It came out so quietly under the radar. It was only in the cinema for a week. I went to see it at the cinema three times, and I bought the Blu-ray as soon as I could. Yeah. Um, this is a wonderful movie. Yeah, yeah. And this is what this is one that you you can be forgiven for not having having ever heard about. But now we've told you about it. Go out and find Please it. Please do. It's on on uh, Wednesday, the twenty third of June, uh, and that's nine pm on Film Four. Uh, and yeah, great choice, Alex. But the other film you've chosen for Thursday uh, for Wednesday, the twenty third, isn't exactly shabby either. No. Tell us about nine pm Five USA Goodwill Hunting. Gus Van Sant's fantastic Goodwill Hunting, starring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Robin Williams. Uh, you have Will Hunting, who is a gifted but troubled young adult trying to find his way through life. He he has the world at his feet and is you know a certified a certifiable genius but he's just interested in getting drunk 
meeting as many women as he can and getting in fights and that's about it um at a certain point he is forced into go uh, to undergo therapy with uh, robin williams um who takes it upon himself to try and help this man better himself uh to the point of near folly there is a there's a scene later on where robin williams character is discussing it with a colleague at the bar and they get into a heated debate over whether this is even worth time whether he's a lost cause or not um this is a film that many people uh, have definitely at least heard of it kind of kick-started matt damon's career ben affleck's career and and why were they so important in this well they wrote it uh, this is what they wrote together. They won the Oscar, I believe, for best uh, best original screenplay that year. Yeah, yes, that's right. They did. Um, so yeah. So as well as being the two stars of the movie, yes. they wrote it and they won the Oscar for it. And yes. also, Robin Williams won the Oscar for best supporting actor. Yes, uh, it well got, deserved as well. It got nominated for a bucket load of act mm. uh, of of Oscars. It also got nominated for lots of other awards besides. But yes, it it, it really was the film of the year in mm. terms of the award ceremony. Uh, and and these two young um, actors who before this are basically been in Kevin Smith movies yeah. um, suddenly had and Kevin Smith helped get this film produced and made off the back of that as a thank you for being in my movies yeah uh, and and yeah you know a, a cracking film if ever yes. there were one um, that's Goodwill Hunting which is on uh, 9pm 5 USA Wednesday the 23rd of June your final choice of the week Thursday the 24th of June 10.10pm 10 on BBC4 because it's known for its highbrow entertainment What's more yet, nonetheless than Blazing Saddles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cowboys sat around an open fire farting. With a tin of beans, yeah. It's yeah. it's one of the best Mel Brooks movies out there, and that is no easy feat when he's also made things like you know, Spaceballs and uh, Young Frankenstein. Uh, this is just a wonderful, wonderful movie starring Gene Wilder, Cleavon Little as a, um, a sheriff, an African-American sheriff who comes to this town. Uh, Harvey Corman is also in the movie. Now, I don't know if you remember, but Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor did a lot of movies together um they did and some of them were great yeah um uh, see no evil uh, for sure stir crazy this was meant to be one of them but richard Pryor had health issues so he wrote this um, and it if, if you're familiar with with his comedy he's one of my favorite comedians a lot of the jokes are very richard Pryor, very much tongue-in-cheek but there's also just a lot of wonderfully silly jokes and it's not it's not so much about the story or the plot as just it's constantly hitting you about the head with these laugh out loud silly moments one from another or from another from another over and over and over again and it just gets better and better I mean it is it is a, an example of the best of Mel Brooks' yes. work it's the sort of thing he does it's very funny um, you know, visual gags yeah. um, oh. clever script um, they you break know. into the wrong film at one point which is one of the most memorable gags in all of movies as far as I'm concerned and and yeah it's so good and and, and also I mean I'm going to mention as well uh, Madeline Kahn who who, who plays uh, Lily Von Stupp and um, she she's a great great comedic performer she puts in a wonderful um, comic performance in Blazing Saddles as well uh, it, it's good I mean it it's it's um, if if you know Mel Brooks's work it's Mel Brooks taking on the western yes and 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 yeah it, it does it, and it with goes fine as well as you think and 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 so maybe I'm, I'm mocking the fact that B, that it's on BBC4 which always strikes me as somewhat highbrow it won three. It got nominated for three Oscars. This movie did, and and it is a classic. It's a cinematic classic. Madeleine Kahn got nominated for best supporting actress. It got nominated as well um, for uh, best music um, for the the song and also best editing. Uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, a great film, a great tour de force uh, for Mel Brooks, and it's Blazing Saddles, and it's on. Uh, Thursday the 24th of June 10 10 p.m. on BBC4 and that is your final uh, film for the week now 
which would if, if if people could only watch one movie this week, I think you've already said it, but but Bad Times Royale. I, Royal, I did prompt you slightly. You are, you would say that anyway. I would say that anyway. I was going to pick it. This I, I was just going to fight my corner for this film because I love it and it feels like the little engine that could this thing that mm. went under the radar and is like this uh, this undiscovered gem of a movie it is absolute classic Alex thank you very much next week uh, it's uh, Sam Rolf uh, back with the film guy but she's leading it next week with, with Chris uh, supporting her so l- last week it was with Chris and Sam next week it's with Sam and Chris not confusing at all no I'm sure you won't be able to spot the difference but anyway Alex thank you very much and uh, we'll see everyone again real soon